You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to episode 93 of Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And we're recording in the same space again. Yay! Yay. That's less work for me later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no lining anything up. So, uh, I'm back. You are back. We yeah. missed you terribly. <laughs> I was gone for two weeks, and I want to say special thanks to you and Susan for carrying the Flipping Tables torch all the way to the Olympic Games and back. Um <laughs> I was gone uh, with my family, and uh, I wanted to share this on the show just to explain why I was gone, um, because my dad passed away, so that kind of took over my life for a bit there. And uh, we actually have some topics today that'll tie into not my dad's death, but to, to uh, technology and death-related stuff, and I think we'll have some interesting discussions. But I was, you know, I was in Texas and Ohio kind of dealing with all that, and uh, couldn't podcast, but I'm happy to be back, happy to get back into it. Yeah, it's 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 nice to get back to the regular flow yeah. of things. Um, one of, the, I mean, not only did my dad die, but he was one of the hosts of a show on some pulp, and uh, not not on some pulp on Sunrise Robot. His show was called Some Pulp, and uh, so I have one more episode we re- recorded about three weeks ago, and I'm actually by the time this is released, I'll have published that episode, so you can hear uh, us talking about books, and uh, I think it's a pretty good episode, and. Uh, we're going to be retiring some pulp, but uh, I do uh, want to try to get together with my, my brothers and sister and uh, maybe create some kind of memorial episode and uh, try to talk about his cultural contributions to the world, since that's what his show was kind of celebrating, was movies and books and big ideas and all that. Well, I didn't... So I saw some of the things you shared from the like the memorial video and... Like I knew he was like a scholar and a lifelong academic, but I didn't really realize the depth of some of the things he'd done. And I was just like, oh man, he didn't, he wasn't just like a consumer of culture. Like he was also contributing back. So there's going to be, you know, articles published and footnotes and reference notes and things like from his academic work for, mm-hmm. you know, years and years and decades. And I, even one of the things I didn't really have much awareness of was, uh, so my dad was a, an English professor and then he also worked in administration and distance ed, which is kind of probably part of why I went into distance ed for a while. But, um, he was a uh, chair of over a hundred master's theses and 30 dissertations. And that's like, you know, say what you will about like, we complain about academics sometimes or certain kinds of professors, <laughs> but damn, he, he contributed. Yeah. Like he you did. don't get paid for sitting on those. Like that's no. not extra anything. It's except you're helping someone. And and I can't imagine he didn't actually pour over every word of every <laughs> dissertation that was, it, this was not rubber stamping, I'm sure. So that's like, you got to give constructive feedback and you're helping people through this journey. And especially as the chair, if you're just on the committee, you can kind of like, uh, <laughs> Phone in, in a little bit. yeah, you, you kind of can. But, That's um, what the, the P and the H and PhD is for. It's the phone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I worked for a while in a graduate school and seeing people going through that process and like how harrowing it was for them. Like, I can't imagine being on the, the Caesar thumbs up, thumbs down side of that. Like you have these people's lives in your hands. Yeah. I think it's like working for a good company though. You shouldn't like say you're on a one year contract. You should know not on day 364. <laughs> that shouldn't be when you find out if you're not getting renewed. Like yeah. if you're doing a, a master's thesis or a dissertation, you shouldn't be defense day when <laughs> it's in doubt if you're really going to pull it off. That, that's a good point. But still it's, it's the whole thing. It's just, Oh my God. <laughs> So, and for, for him to be on that side, I have to, and you know, some of those people turned in boring dissertations yeah. is I really doubt a lot of them were absolute rock stars. They're all Stanford prison experiments. <laughs> that was, uh, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But like that's, I think that one's so famous partially now because like Snopes has exposed it. So it's like maybe one of the ones he reviewed will end up on Snopes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of our topics today that I thought would be uh, interesting to talk through is and that I'm living through some of right now, and that is uh, when someone dies in this day and age, um, they have accounts all over the place. There's digital stuff. There's 
not just emails and attachments and drop boxes there's social media accounts there's conversations there's you know a lot of what being alive is about is now digitized and um it's kind of an interesting question of what do you do with that when someone passes away do you just leave it up um do you you know i've seen a lot of facebook pages that become basically memorial pages and people never take them down and family members go and comment heartwarming things and well i think facebook has because i mean they're so large that presumably a portion of their users are going to go through this right but i think they have a like if you can prove hey i'm you know the next of kin or i'm the spouse or the Here's the guardian the, right yeah. yeah so then it, it's don't just make this a memorial but like it can never be posted to again. It can't be messages can't be sent to it. Like it goes into some kind of a like read only memorialized state so that anyone who finds that page knows like, Oh, this is not an active account. This is a memorial account, but there's a whole lot of companies that are not large enough that they are probably investing in that, that eventuality. And Twitter, like, for when you're when you're a startup and you're like, we're just trying to get users. We're not worried about them dying. And yeah, that doesn't look good in their pitch deck. <laughs> yeah, it's not MVP to to have death features. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean that the the what does the public facing side is interesting. I'm mostly mostly feeling the is there an easy way to export this stuff? Which to Twitter's credit, yeah, it's, you have to request it and wait, but you get a full archive you can download. Yeah, and I haven't looked into what Facebook has, but I don't think it's anything near that. I'm gonna guess Facebook gives you something that's standards compliant in the laziest way, like just giant HTML blobs or JSON blobs. And you're like, yeah, I have it. And Mm -hmm. unless someone built a tool that crawls it, it's useless to me. Yeah. Um, So some of the other things I've I've been facing in like sort of taking on the family role of like, I'm going to try to archive dad's stuff. I'm going to try to get it in a stable state where it's not going to get erased on the one laptop it was on. And, uh, um, one of the things I've done is, uh, so he was, this is actually good, but he, uh, basically never did a clean wipe of his phone. <laughs> so he just went, I mean, this is treacherous, but he just went like probably from iOS five to like oh. nine straight upgrades. But what this means is his iMessage goes back all those years because uh, normally that wouldn't transfer well it it's will not stored anywhere if you if you set up a new device you can install your iCloud backup but he was too paranoid that that would break and so he he just didn't want to lose so you have like years of these conversations yeah well I, I my mom has his phone right now but we're getting together again at Thanksgiving and I finally have so this is uh, um, there's a lot going into this so um, I was able to since I know his password install his last iPad iCloud Mm. onto my iPad. So that only goes back a few years. Um, His phone was only ever backed up to iTunes. So I need physical (laughs) access to get that one. But uh, it's like, so the iCloud stuff is really handy because I was able to go, oh, I'm going to get most of his stuff right now because I know his password. But then once you have it, there's no exporting iMessage. So Apple have to, has like, provided none ways you, other than you're copy have to and literally paste. copy paste. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. No, not years of conversations <laughs> with dozens of people. That's yeah, and it doesn't even load them all. Obviously, because they don't want the program to crash every time you open it. So you scroll to the top and it loads another fifty. And you scroll to the top and like see that. That's not going to do that. This mouse comes in because I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but I'm going to try this on the mic. Hang on, so. But it doesn't matter because you'd be stopped after 50 messages and have to load. Then you'd have to swipe it again. and then It works on Twitter with the Everload. So if I hit that, it, it will keep chugging It just chugging has no down. friction. Yeah. Um, I don't but know even that then, I'd want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but. but nonetheless, I want something more automated. I want to get all the messages, divide them up by who he's talking to, right. get all the picture attachments. See, that would be probably something really useful because there's probably like, especially you guys are very spread out. Your family's like all over the place. So there was probably a lot of pictures flying back and forth. Like, hey, here's our new car. Hey, we just, you know, repainted this bedroom and here's a picture of your mom. Like stuff you, if they live down the street, they probably would not have taken photographs of. Well, when you try to search for this kind of app, this is one of the most obnoxious things. It's like, it's in that class of software that there's just tons of shady, 
shady yeah. ass sites. Well, because and it's, they're all because it's personal data, yeah. so they're all like, "Trust us, we'll get your stuff off your phone." Yeah, because a lot of it's probably like, "Oh, you had a tragedy, we'll help you." Also, if you're not sure where your girlfriend is right now, <laughs> we'll also help you for nine ninety nine. But it's like, "Oh, don't make me." What do I that. kept finding, so I I didn't. There was no app that rose above that just seemed like, "Oh, this is legit. This is a real company. They made a good tool for this." It, it's a lot of either uh, Stack Exchange script hacks that don't work <laughs> anymore and no one's bothered to update, or it's the exact same looking shady web page with a different product name times 50. And it's like they, they spam comment sections all over the web. And yeah. I'm just like, I don't Soft trust PDA you. downloads. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no thanks. And like Compile this from Bitbucket. Like I, I found one, I decided to give it a go and I completely disconnected from the internet on every device <laughs> before I tried it and you know completely deleted it before I went back online because I'm like, I don't know yeah. what it's going to talk to. You have a hammer nearby in case the device starts to go crazy you can just like but that's that's annoying because i really think apple should provide it and even if they want to gate it between behind two-factor auth and make me really really prove i'm the person that wants to you know decrypt this stuff but give me a tool that you know they've done an amazing job helping me back up this stuff for the living but if i want to archive this in a way that will be readable for decades and i don't need to trust that i'll have an iMessage machine <laughs> then give me a tool for that too well i think part of this is if you set it up ahead of time so if you say like this person is a digital custodian of my life then you have some not very good but some options available to you and if you do it after the fact you have to go to each company and hope you know okay twitter how do you handle this problem facebook how do you handle it apple how do you handle it and like hope that you get something usable i mean in the case of facebook or apple i guess to a lesser extent twitter and the data is simpler is hopefully enough people have given enough times where someone will have said like i want to help other people that are going through this yeah but it's when someone's going through this, even if they're a super talented programmer, it is not the first thing on their mind to like, I'm going to make sure to put this under the yeah. MIT license and open source it and give it a GitHub front page so other people can find it because they're kind of dealing with other things. So I eventually did find an app that seemed legit enough, didn't look like it was going to hold it hostage and tell me that I have to pay them thousands of dollars to <laughs> get it back or something. Yeah, what do you uh, call it? Ransomware? Yeah, it ransomware. Um, it's called, and this app is named terribly. It's called iMazing or iAmazing or something. That is terrible. And But it worked and it let me access all the stuff on his iPad um, so I could export the conversations as PDF, tech, TXT, or as, a, I guess, Excel. So... That's yeah. about all you'd want is those kinds of things. Yeah, and then it, you have raw data, and it's like, now, what, if anything, am I going to do with this? Maybe you just want it stored. Yeah, and the, I mean, the PDF one is, that one may seem the weirdest, but it, it actually makes it look like the iMessage conversation. So oh, okay, for people yeah. reading it, maybe they'd prefer that. I don't know. but um, So I'm confident I'll be able to back up that stuff. Um, he was already using Google Photos and iCloud, so... I don't know. It's just kind of this crazy process of like, um, what all did he have? How can I get it all together so I can put it on a hard drive and then also back it up to the cloud at the same time and not worry about what it is right now, but it's just like, uh, I don't want to accidentally erase something. Yeah. And so is it any different going through uh, digital stuff than it is through like physical things? Like, do, um, in or what do, you, sense? do you just feel like you're doing tech support because you're just rifling through huge amounts of data? Or is it like, oh, these are a person's belongings? Oh, I mean, it's especially the conversations. It's incredibly emotional trying to go through these. And, you know, <laughs> even his music library, which, you know, has a bunch of normal like purchase songs. But like I found like and this totally like destroyed me one day. I found a recording of me gurgling as a baby oh. and him and my mom both talking to me and be like, Hey Mike, hey Mike And I was just like, Oh man, I'm okay, I'm gonna cry <laughs> the rest of the day. And just like you know, all these like amazing little things that just were a testament that not just publicly, but he really did love us like crazy. And uh, so it's definitely like I can do a little bit and then I'm like, oh my God, I got <laughs> time stop. for a break. And 
I guess that at least if you have the physical devices in his accounts, it's like it's not uh it's not pressing. It's not like, oh, the the this iPad's gonna spoil if I don't like you can do yeah. it in your time, you know, when it when it, it's appropriate for you. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else like goes into it of like what, what you try to look for. It's mo it's one of the things my dad was really irritating about was uh so he had like eight Twitter accounts. <laughs> he had God knows how many email addresses. And, you know, sometimes I would get an, an iMessage and it'd be a separate conversation and be like this, this oh, other, you're like, who is this other dad, this other email address, <laughs> Aslan dad has sent you a message. And I'm like, pick one. <laughs> um, so that's made it more complex. Just like how many accounts does he have and how many passwords do I have to reset from the one true account? And that was all from the, his time in the witness protection program, right? He just <laughs> got those so. habits deeply. We could talk about that this now. That's why they moved to Alaska. <laughs> I hear it's very safe up there other than bears. So what, um, what do you think is going to happen with, uh, like consumer facing digital accounts? Like, would you want his Twitter account and Facebook account to become memorialized? Do you want them to just be shut down? Um, I'm, I mean, since, especially since Twitter is used way more often as a public, like, locking down your Twitter account and you're like an outlier. You're weird. Um, yeah. You're not weird necessarily, but it's like, it's a public tool first and foremost. And so I would be more likely to memorialize that stuff. Like these, these were his public comments on things. They can, they can stay there. That's fair. I mean, it's not really that different from like his academic publish yeah. stuff. Like this is stuff he put yeah. out for uh, the public to see. <laughs> Unpublish all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, the weirdest thing that, because I've always seen this happen, you know, there's always blog posts about this kind of thing happening. I've just, luckily, I've never known anyone this happened to, but as I get older, it's going to happen more and more. Um, you tweeted that Google did like a fun animation. <laughs> and so do you want to share that? Oh, story? yeah, yeah. So I, I use Google Photos and one of their features is if it knows you took a bunch of pictures in a certain stream of days in a certain location, it'll try to like assemble like your trip to Ohio. And uh, it did that with, you know, we were taking pictures of like I was with my family all at the same time, which doesn't happen very much anymore. And, uh, you know, it we even took some pictures since we we're all together dressed up at the the grave and uh google was like here's your animated gif of you and your family at the grave <laughs> and i know it like the software doesn't know and it's just like it's just doing its thing and i'm not like mad at google it's just like oh my god <laughs> like, and so i have to believe that someone in one of these like ai you know smart algorithm things would say like oh well if they're obviously like at a wake right like if there's a an open casket in the background with a big wreath of flowers like maybe don't ever do any if you recognize <laughs> those things don't ever do anything with those photos like the <laughs> the human will decide what they want to do but the the you because you shared a screenshot of google being like hey here's <laughs> <laughs> and they don't look unusual. Yeah, right? I, mean, I mean, we're just we dressed as, up and we're standing on yeah, a hill. <laughs> I mean, we as humans might recognize like, huh, everyone in this photo is in black, but that doesn't mean, I mean, Devo wears all black. Like, that's not... That's <laughs> Devo's not a, always at a grave. Um, <laughs> right. So it did a few of those little animations and it also, like a few days later, did the whole trip. And yeah, so it was like going to it Texas. recognized you got home and then it was like, oh, you're done. Going to Texas, drinking a ton of whiskey with my brothers, <laughs> going to Ohio... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, there are probably some programmatic solutions to that, <laughs> but even like I, I, not everybody smiles in all their photos, so they can't even say like, "Oh, well, no one in this photo is smiling." So yeah, Google can't be that creepy guy in the bus going, "You should smile more." <laughs> right? Yeah, that would. I think we might have like God, close to two years ago, talked about the thing with the was it one of the Samsung cameras that did the the squint thing. Oh, I don't know. So one of the cameras that does like face detection, like a, an actual honest to God camera, like who buys the standalone camera, but it, uh, it, it does face recognition just so it knows where the faces are. And then if you, uh, close your eyes, it'll say like, did someone in this photo blink? 
and a bunch of Asian people were like, no, I'm just Asian. Like, that is just what my face looks like, even when my eyes are open. So, yeah, you wouldn't want Google being like, everyone in this photo is a frowny face. Yeah. It's like, don't do that. Don't ever, if sadness is ever the thing you detect, just leave it alone. Yeah. And I mainly shared that out of like a bitter sarcasm of like, this is kind of funny and not because I actually thought the software, like I wasn't mad at Google. I was just like, this is just kind of hilarious that this happened. (laughs) (laughs) So what, uh, I, I know Facebook has done this. I don't know if Google has, although I think they have something really similar, like, uh, you know, on Facebook, and I think they got this through Instagram, they're like, here's what you were doing two years ago, <laughs> right? So a year from now, you probably don't want the, like, look at all the photos you took at this <laughs> time in October. Like, that would be bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not going to, like, forget anyway. I'm already going to be thinking about it next year, but. Sure, but you still don't want the algorithms being like, hey, did you have an yeah. okay morning? What if now you didn't? I mean, that's already happening with, like, Last time your dad was here, this oh. happened. And I mean, there's no avoiding that. I mean, when someone that important to you dies, your entire life is a reminder of them everywhere, and you can't even predict what's going to make you think of them. It's just literally anything could. I guess the don't show me pictures of this person is really more suited to like the ex girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. And that's maybe. how Facebook bills it is like the maybe just don't show me. You know, I'm 24. I don't really need to see pictures of this blonde girl when I was 22. Like, just leave that out, you know? But it's you're not going to tell Facebook and Google and Flickr, wherever you store photos, like, no more pictures of my father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that that'd be would, weird. That'd be a weird way to mourn. I think the, the big cultural shift that needs to happen is maybe companies will start building features, but I don't really think they will much. Um other than like maybe a support route to gain access to something if you can prove like you're talking about. I think culturally it just needs to become something else that is in your will. Like my dad didn't really say anything much and definitely not anything about any digital stuff. And so it's really up to us, but I could imagine I will probably make some, you know, you know, if I have kids and they aren't techie or for whatever reason, I just want to specify like do this with my stuff, you know, back it up and give it to this person and whatever they're the caretaker of this, but just like with anything else. Well, it would be nice too, if you could have, uh, agreements directly with the company, because I could see wanting to give someone control over like, here's my Facebook account. So if you want to get out any photos or anything like, you know, here next of can or spouse or whatever, you can do that. But it would also be nice if I, as the owner of the account could say, I want them to be able to copy stuff out for their purposes, but I don't want them to be able to delete all my stuff. Like, because instead of completely handing over power, you can have some control over like this part will be memorialized. This part I want deleted, clear my browsing search history, you know, that kind of like, it's a jokey thing. But if you just say like upon my death, here are all my passwords, please do these things. Like you're sort of, yeah. You don't have as much control. You're just handing control over. So I could see it, especially because digital goods, like, uh, it's not, you're not, you're not going to write a daytime soap about the kids fighting over who gets yeah. access to the Facebook account. It's not like the deed to well, the oil field. Pictures can be duplicated and given to everyone. But yeah. I, so it would probably especially be about anything that could be strewn as strewn to be valuable. Construed to be valuable, strewn, strewn. I don't even Str- know what strewn I'm saying about anymore. <laughs> construed as valuable, yeah. Because um, you know, Dad's comic book collection from the fifties, right? That he doesn't have one, but <laughs> that would be potentially valuable. Yeah. And like, what happens with that if Dad didn't say? Then it's just you know, if you're in a bad family, yeah, that that's could be a, daytime a horrible soap battle. Yeah, but who gets access to his Twitter archive? Not a great daytime. Everyone, soap. if you want it, <laughs> <laughs> who wants it? Yeah, the bits are just free. <laughs> Yeah, so this, I mean, I'll be, if you're comfortable sharing, you don't have to do it on the show, but I will be interested to see how you solve some of these problems just because anyone our age is eventually going to have to deal with this going forward. We do more and more digitally and, and, and we'll want to know how we'll handle it. You know, like you're saying for your kids, like when you're getting up in years and you're writing your will, like 
what kind of crazy things are we going to have to put in our will? Like, you know, my oldest son gets the business and my oldest daughter gets the Ferrari and my youngest son gets Twitter. Like, I don't, <laughs> Thanks, know, Dad. Yeah, I just, that's, it's almost weird to have to think about these things as things, right? Cause yeah. we talk so much about, they're like, Oh, it's ephemeral. It's a joke. Ha ha. Twitter's why do people get upset over Twitter? And then you get into a situation where like, a uh, person's being threatened or, or like this, where you have to deal with the death of a loved one. And you're like, Oh no, it is like, it's not a physical thing, but it's a thing. And I, I mean, I think it's also a tendency just to be, you know, my dad was a pack rat, both, um, not as much physically cause he had to, when he moved to Alaska, had to get rid of a ton of stuff. Um, but Do they not allow items and <laughs> you know, ownership. You get one carry on when you move to Alaska, <laughs> but, um, definitely a digital pack rat and, you know, not, not a super efficient one. My dad was curious and willing to try technology, but he was not a techie, not the way I would say I am or um, people like you or, or some other friends. Um, and so he didn't necessarily have the best solution. He just <laughs> has a lot of stuff. And uh, so, you know, the, the job number one is make sure you don't lose anything first. But I think that's also going to be something interesting is um, – death in the future will people obsess even more over the lives of the people they've lost and almost not move on because you can have a holodeck of every single dinner you had with them and like relive every single moment like yeah like will this ever get to a ridiculous level or or not i don't know i mean you could do weird like if you have a json of all their tweets you could like write a bot to retweet their stuff (laughs) and like Oh, I have be uncanny valley though to me. Oh, it'd, it'd be terrible. It'd be but, wax museum. Like, but I mean, oh. the the kinds of things people do when they're mourning from the outside. Yeah, you're you like, want to oh. hold on to everything yeah. about them. Yeah, so that's I I could see that being a problem where people are the ability to grieve in an unhealthy way would become new and novel and potentially dangerous. Right. So then you would have to have whole support structures around like don't obsess over their Facebook memorial page. Like, you know, just like you wouldn't create uh, cradle the photo album nonstop all day, every day. It's like also these digital things can Mm -hmm. be unhealthy. I mean, thinking like, so I have five years of text conversations between my dad and everyone he knew. Mm. Do we go into those? Do we look at those or do we kind of let that be what it was and and let go? Yeah. I mean, this is exactly like why I compared rifling through digital goods to physical goods. Because if you have access to your text conversation with him, you're like, that's awesome. Like, if I want this, I have this. But you also have, you know, maybe he like ordered a Domino's pizza via text message and you're like, do I want to rifle through every text message he ever sent and every email he ever sent or received? And then it's, I mean, knowing you, I I think the answer is no, (laughs) but for some people it would be like, yes, definitely. Like this is my opportunity to know them. How awkward could that be for some families? Well, I mean, it's the digital equivalent of like, while you're taking clothes out of the dresser, you find out like, oh, they... I'm not going to make something up. I don't want to make a joke about it, but it's like, I found something I didn't know was a part of their life. Yeah. You know? And it's like, that kind of hurts suddenly. And you're like, Oh, did I want to know that? Right. Yeah. Good or bad. You're if it's good, you're like, why didn't they share this with me? He donated millions of dollars and was this amazing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so the digital, it's so much easier to accumulate this digital stuff and, you know, be a digital pack rat, especially when you move to Alaska. Um, (laughs) So it's, yeah, I, I could absolutely see there being, lots of good things about having access to this and potential pitfalls, serious yeah. pitfalls. Well, and imagine if your will could specify that level of like, delete all this and, uh, but keep this, keep the photos, like right. don't let them s- secret family in Canada. Don't let them know about that. <laughs> See, why would you, I guess, why, why if, would you write that in the will? <laughs> well, but that's why you would go to Alaska. Cause then you're closer to your secret <laughs> Canadian family. Uh, do we want to talk about the iPad Pro? Yeah, we I, should. I just it's only a certain sliver that I want to a talk very about specific aspect. Yeah. So everyone's getting already complaining because it's you can't replace your laptop. Stop. You know, Tim Cook said it, but he's wrong and stop doing this. And you know, the Surface already has been doing this for three. I don't want to have that argument right now. Of, but we could easily laptop. get thirty more minutes out of that. <laughs> I know. I just want to talk about. I tried it at the store. 
just the drawing, especially I wanted to try and oh my God, it's awesome. And I want one just for that. Um, did you try a couple of different applications? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I even, even with your finger, it's lower latency. So supposedly this pencil, like it, if it senses the pencil, it doubles the refresh rate on the screen. So it's taking samples twice as often. But is that like murdering the battery? Even the, the finger, um, sensitivity is higher than it used to be. Um, and so even just scribbling with my finger felt closer to one to one. Um, so I just since I'm trying to pursue this more illustration direction life, and um, I, I'm really interested to see if that could be a really. I ho- I hope it inspires every company to be like, okay, low latency is now an important goal. Let's figure this out. I mean, that's that definitely happened with Apple and like aesthetics, right? You know, people suddenly were like, why doesn't my Dell look like that MacBook? Yeah. And and Dell answered by making some slick looking computers, HP kind of not as much, yeah. but you know, I mean, so they had that broader impact and I could see uh, latency now that it's a thing. The average person is like latency. Yeah. What does that word mean? And now they're going to be like, Oh, why isn't it like the iPad? <laughs> and I mean, I, that said, I do think the pencil is going to be a niche. I don't think, um, it's going to be something everyone wants or needs at all. Um, but for someone who, who cares about doing the more artsy stuff, it definitely um, matters. And uh, like trying to, you know, Shelby has a surface and the drawing's okay. And if you're in OneNote, it's actually kind of good, but you can tell and you can feel it. And, and if you're in like, they, they ship it with like a special paint app, latency is bad on that app. It's, it, you can't it, really keep up. The special paint app? <laughs> yeah, presumably because it's, it's not just simple vector lines. It's trying yeah. to paint complex patterns according to your pressure and, and and this is i hate to to do the stereotypical microsoft is for businesses and apples for creative types but um if you are in one note and you're drawing like a flow chart you know you're in a meeting or you're doing like a really quick sketch of something your latency needs there and your accuracy needs are very different than if you're like i want to create this digital artwork and then like sell it because that's my livelihood yeah and i mean i think the surface is definitely usable for artists like artists are using surfaces people use ipads i mean old ipads for this but um you know you can you can make it work but i don't think anyone thinks of it as like well i don't need anything else the rest of my life this has solved all the problems and not that the ipad pro does that either but i do think the pencil is getting to that point of like oh my god i'm not i don't even think about the fact that i'm drawing on a tablet and i have this very like huge awareness that I am now digitally drawing. <laughs> and I mean, there's still some Apple-y things in, in a, a negative sense about this. The pencil is a hundred dollars. It doesn't come with any sort of way to, there's no like fake ink well to put it in. It's a pencil. So you can, right. um, it doesn't, that would be a pen. I mean, the surface that magne- magnetically attaches to the side, which is pretty cool when you're not using it, but you right. might grab it at any moment. None of that. Um, it no, looks it awkwardly ri- sticks out of the lightning. Board. Yeah. When you charge it, it looks ridiculous. And I'm worried someone's going to like karate chop it and snap it off. Well, and I saw on Twitter that, uh, I don't know if it's true. I didn't follow it up, but there's going to be an adapter like a male to female adapter so that you can charge. It comes with an adapter so you can plug it into the wall if yeah. you need to. Maybe it should have just only had a, a lightning port and not <laughs> the whole lightning nub stick. Like why? I think they're thinking because I think it only lasts like a day or two on a charge. And so they, they're thinking someone will come to their pencil and just want to plug it in for a minute just to get enough to do what they want to do. And so they, I don't know, that's, I, yeah, I mean, that's I, the explanation. I, I follow that reasoning. It's just Apple does lots of things that go against usability to support the way it looks and to have this weird, you like how the magic mouse charges <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that. I mean, I'm just thinking like you have this, this beautiful tablet and you have this beautiful, like uniform pencil that looks like it's just a solid block of aluminum or whatever. And, or pla- is it plastic or is it aluminum? Um, the pencil? The pencil. I think it's mostly plastic, but... Okay, but it, it's all, it's like one even white. Yeah. Right, yeah. So you, you've got this, like, these beautiful things, 
and then you you take the top off to charge it, and it's like Quirrell taking the turban off, <laughs> and Voldemort's head is on the back. And you're like, well, now I understand how it works, but I really don't want to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, th- th- that's weird. It's $100, which just feels a little like... Shouldn't this like I could I, I get that it's like a fancy piece of tech maybe it's fifty or sixty but like it's just that Apple nope we're going twice what you think is reasonable <laughs> and we're gonna get away with it and so that hurts a little um you know little things like that but um, the latency was spot on I was very excited when I tried that and it made me want to buy one did you try any of the like the the pressure stuff or the tilting stuff yep because not being an artist I understand why an artist would want those things, but I don't recognize when like latency, I can recognize high latency, low latency. I'm like, yup, I understand that. But when someone's like, Oh look, you just, you push a little harder, you tilt at an angle and it performs the way an artist's pencil would. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I'll, I'll confess. I consider myself a new student of this field. So you still know more than (laughs) I'm not a good illustrator by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think we should share some of the videos that I posted in our Slack channel. Um, cause I think just watching someone just go about their business is pretty telling on how good it is, um, for this purpose. And so this guy's drawing a, you know, this little cartoonish guy who's got his hands in the air and, you know, he's just kind of seamlessly shading and doing different things and going to different parts of the page. And it looks like he's not worrying about it. Like he's just kind of like, Oh, I'm drawing. Right. And so that's, that's what I want. I want to forget that except in a good way. I want to forget that I'm doing digital drawing. Well, it's the thing everybody always says about technology. Like it should just fade into the background and, the tools should just melt away. And, yeah, I get it. But yeah. like, I, I but understand even, what you're saying. Even if I were talking about physical painting, I don't want to be thinking about the paintbrush. I right. want to be thinking about what I'm trying to do. Yeah, you don't want to be thinking like, oh, this is uh, the, the side of this pencil is yellow, and I really prefer the ones that are fully smooth instead of you know octagonal. And yeah, it's those things should just be like, they picked the right one. This is the one that's comfortable to hold for six hours while I'm drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it turns out I do want to complain a little bit about the laptop replacement topic. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Mainly because they, they've like done a little bit. I just was playing with the keyboard too at the store and I've been reading online about the iPad Pro, but they have some keyboard shortcuts, but like a laughable, laughably few amount. And the question is, is this something Apple's going to invest in? Or are they like totally committed to Gorilla Arm now? And it's like... Well, and is this an OS thing? Or could app creators decide to put them in? I think app creators can add their own shortcuts. Okay. Um, but uh, don't quote me on that. I'm on the show, <laughs> so I already said it. Um, so, so there are... As far as I know, there's three... Maybe there's more. But I, there's three system-wide shortcuts that I'm aware of with iPads. And that is Command Tab will do app switching. That's cool. Okay. Um, Command Shift H will go to the home screen. All right. Sure. And uh, Command Space will go to Spotlight. Awesome. Good. Type in. And two of those are exactly the ones you'd expect. Yeah. um, Going to Spotlight. Awesome. So you type in Slack and you want to switch to Slack. You can't press enter to open Slack. No. Yeah. You have to reach out. (laughs) You have to tap the screen like an animal. Why? Just the last step. <laughs> That's like when uh, a cable company is like, oh, yeah, there's fiber right outside your house, but we're not going to run it up to the wall. And it's like, it's 20 <laughs> feet. So it's just like, ah. <laughs> and so um, on OS ten, there's fancy trackpad gestures, and I use those some. And, you know, there, there's this whole nice GUI you can point with your mouse. But I am so keyboard-driven on Mac OS ten. Um Probably, I don't know. I remember, I think a, f- a while back you said, yeah, I might even be more keyboard driven than you. Has that changed? Are you pretty? No, I think you are more than me because I, I think I probably know a wider array of, of keyboard shortcuts, but you have actually f- firmly integrated them into your workflow. Whereas I will do something with the mouse four or five times in a row and I'm like, oh God, that's so sluggish. <laughs> oh wait, I know the keyboard shortcut for this. 
Yeah. So, you know, whether it's closing all the windows at the same time or all the different mission control stuff, um, I try to stay on the keyboard because it's faster. And it's faster because your hands were already on the keyboard. Yeah. Like, I, I will, and I'll try and find the study, but I can't promise it'll be in the show notes. But somebody compared like this litany of tasks and they had a bunch of people do the keyboard shortcuts who were like self proclaimed keyboard experts and a bunch of other people use the mouse. And they're like, sometimes the mouse is actually faster. And overall, it's really not that much slower and it's like yeah but if you use a computer for 10 hours a day and i can just keep my mind focused because my hands are just on the keyboard and the things that i want to happen are happening there's some value to that so even if it's only half a second faster it's like there's value to staying in the flow state and we're not even talking about like vim wizards that go (laughs) crazy like we can leave that aside and it's still faster um yeah i'm just thinking like even the 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 nuances of text selection selecting lines selecting you know one or more more or fewer characters um all that stuff you can do with a keyboard very quickly and it's really nice when it's like oh i need that line okay not that character copy command tab paste (laughs) enter like it's just when i think your your vim wizards uh metaphor is is truly apt because the more sophisticated the program you're using, the more time you probably spend in that program, and every little savings is crucial. Oh man, logic! Like it's, this if, is yes. If you worked in logic with only the mouse, God <laughs> yes. have mercy on your soul. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's a complex program, so even learning the keyboard shortcuts is daunting as hell. And but, every, I mean, every single Adobe app, same thing. Yeah, but just a couple. I mean, just like I, I literally was on the, the crazy underground train thing in, in Denver airport. So I'm coming back. It's like super late. One of the last flights I was chit chatting with this woman and she said that her boss uh, just insisted that she started using a Mac and she seemed like a perfectly normal person, but she was like, I can't, I have no idea how to like copy and paste. She was like, and I finally figured out that it's like in the edit menu And so I'm going through this in my head and I'm like, wait a minute, she knows control C control V on a PC, but she somehow didn't know that they're also in the edit menu. And because control C control V doesn't work on a Mac, you have to do command. She was, she had no way to make that mental leap. Why would you just assume like, Oh, it's probably this other C, you know, key on the keyboard. So I told her, I was like, you know, it's, it's command and if you look in the the drop downs it usually says the keyboard shortcut next to it so i was like that's how you can learn them and then whatever ones you use frequently you know you'll they'll become habitual and she was like oh wow that's really helpful and i was like and here let me just teach you like a hundred keyboard shortcuts right now whatever it was on windows is a really good chance if you just sub in command it'll work the same and she was just like that's amazing. Like, thank you so much. And I, I kind of had to step back and I was like, from this person's point of view, I'm a, the Vim wizard. Right. And, and like, mm-hmm. I think of myself as like a keyboard novice, but if you are using any kind of specialized software, so like in the, the video you, you sent me, which I'll, I'll put into the show notes at sunrise robot.net slash flipping table slash 93. Um, you can see just off the edge of the screen, the guy's right-handed, he's drawing, but he's, uh, using like his thumb to quickly tap between like, now I want a paintbrush. Now I want a pencil. Now I want the eraser. And that is kind of the touch version of yeah, a little bit, the touch version of keyboard shortcuts. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Or e- even a physical artist is watching the way they quickly, you know, mix colors in their palette or like, you know, now I'm making happy trees and like their, <laughs> their techniques are shifting. And like, that could be something you have to spend a week of intensive practice to get good at but they're good at it. So they just kind of mentally can move between these modes. It's, I feel like it's that kind of shorthand. The, the neural pathways have been paved. Right. Um, so my, th- my one point, I guess, about the keyboard shortcuts on the iPad is, I mean, the big question is, is Apple going to invest in this and make that like happy for power users? And uh, cause I can give up the mouse, but I need keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it feels like that's, that's part of what you get from the keyboard. When they yeah. say like, hey, we're giving you a keyboard, you're like, are you? <laughs> All yeah. the things that go with and the keyboard. And the, the $170 keyboard they sell for the iPad Pro uh, doesn't have the function row, which 
you know, by default doesn't do func- F1 yeah, the, through F12. The Mac version of the function. But, so brightness, so, volume. Yeah, you can't change brightness, volume. Not that there would be disks to eject, but there, that's just not there. And so that's a little bit of a, you know, middle finger to maybe, pro. Maybe it would users. maybe it would eject the uh, the pencil, just like <laughs> just fire just it right it off at three hundred miles an hour, <laughs> <laughs> impaling. Um, so it's not really going to be like I would not consider the iPad Pro as a laptop replacement, and I don't think anyone really is, other than Tim Cook, who than, said he travels with Justin. <laughs> yeah, iPad Pro. And, and is now saying, even though for five years they've been saying the iPad is not trying to be a laptop, and Microsoft's really dumb to be trying to do that. Just kidding. Here we go. It must be interesting to work in the marketing department of a company where you know you can wildly contradict yourself and people will go to bat for you. Like instead of, you know, doing the daily show style, like digging up every misstep and every, you know, flub you ever said, (laughs) people will actually go to bat for Apple and be like, no, no, they just waited till the time was right. They knew the way Microsoft was doing it was dumb, but now the time the is right. History. It's like, that's so amazing that the time being right perfectly lined up with their product I launch. mean, the only thing about the iPad that is consistent with their claims is that it isn't a desktop OS. And um, even if they add keyboard shortcuts, I still wouldn't say now it's a desktop OS. Cause, sure. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have a file system. It's not, I don't know what else you would, you would call it, but um so what if they make a desktop computer that's not a desktop OS? And I guess that's what they're doing. But yeah, this is it's uh, weird. It's it's not. It's a weird metamorphosis state. And the question is, will <laughs> the butterfly be beautiful if they keep going down this path, or will it just be like, ooh, that's a branch of evolution that just kind of fizzled out? I mean, the only thing that concerns me as someone who likes Mac OS as a desktop operating system is. If they ever retire that, I'm I basically I'm going to have to go to Linux because I don't have anything strictly against Windows for like the vast majority of things, but the things that would be harder would be way harder, especially any development stuff. Exactly. I mean, if you're in if you're in the Windows Kool Aid, their dev stuff's great by all accounts. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, you that's would hope one so. of the things they're really good at. <laughs> um, but if you care about a lot of other kind of development stuff, then it's like, well, what if I could just go live in a world where they only speak Klingon and. Like, yeah, I have a translator, uh, but this is going to be painful. I could learn Klingon, but they say if you haven't heard it by age three, you <laughs> yeah. can never really you lose the Suzuki accent. Suzuki method for learning <laughs> Klingon. But. So th- this is the the question with the keyboard that I've had, because everybody's talking about the pencil and the latency, and can an artist really use it as if we have like tens of thousands of artists and everyone's clamoring like, well, it doesn't work. have Photoshop. Well, Adobe could ship that if they want to. They yeah. could make... Not what? desktop, but whatever you want to call it, professional. So, so the the side side question to my side question is: Don't you creative types usually have more than one tool in your chain anyway? So like you could do storyboarding on the iPad Pro and then take those files and put them into yep. Photoshop on your Mac. Well, that's exactly what I want it for because I'm I'm gonna want to do like detailed keyframing, like whatever, if I'm animating, like it's always going to get down to a level where right now I need a desktop OS. And I think what I want to avoid saying is that you will never be able to comfortably do detailed editing on a touch-based OS rather than a mouse-based OS. But right now, that's where the software is. Sure. It just doesn't exist on iOS or nope. Android. And and a lot of those little th- like if you have to scrub a timer with your finger, you just can't get the same kind of precision. Cause like as you're lifting your finger away, it's still detecting it. Yeah. It's not but the with same. Powerful keyboard options. I can <laughs> live with that. I can go frame by frame and I can hold shift to go 10 frames at a time. And I can, you know, modify our keys. I can do what I need to do. Even when I'm in after effects, I try not to use the mouse as much as possible. Um, isn't there some benefit to it? I mean, I'm really digging into like the hippy dippy stuff, but like, if you're a painter, I could see a painter saying like, well, you know, I like to do my sketching on this in this comfortable chair, you know, in my smoking room. And then when I'm going to actually put, you know, colored paints to canvas, I always do it in this certain part of the house because there's a lot of natural light. So I know I'm seeing the true colors like 
I don't think switching from the iPad to the the MacBook is really necessarily even a bad thing to say like, yeah, this part of the process happens on the iPad with this specific kind of input. And then I need a mouse and keyboard and I do this other part of the job. Yeah, and I mean to to Microsoft's credit, I don't think the the piece of glass with silicon behind it needs to be a different piece of glass when you go to that desk. Um, even though I I'm not super excited about the Surface as a thing, maybe that's just because I don't love Windows. Um, but I mean, there's no reason that one device couldn't be in both environments. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's more of a it just hardware limit. Yet. Yeah. It's a it's. I think it's a lot of it's a hardware limitation because if you could have an iPad that when it is not attached to a keyboard and mouse only shows you I- iOS and there's no way around it. But then the minute you dock it to a keyboard and mouse and maybe an external monitor if you want one, then you get OS 10, yeah. right? but you have access to all the files because they have access to the same storage and all like that. That would be amazing. It is not computationally feasible right now. Yeah, Everybody keeps acting like it is. But it's not. And, and your 16 gig iPhone just ain't going to do that. Um, <laughs> I love the jokes about like in 10 years, the iPhone will be 16 gig, one terabyte, five terabytes. Yes. Um, so the, the question I wanted to ask before I got derailed by a more interesting question was, uh, how do you feel about the keyboard? Like the actual using the keyboard, not the shortcuts, but the throw of the keys. It was not as good as the MacBook Pro's. It was actually pretty much exactly the same as the new Retina MacBooks keys. Have you tried that, those? The like, no, it's the new like butterfly switch. Yeah, yeah. So it, it has felt a, like that. It has a really short throw, right? Yeah. So it's definitely better. Or, sorry, low action. I think is the correct term. <laughs> um, it's better than tapping glass. Way like it's way closer to <laughs> this is a keyboard than it is a keyboard. Yeah, I mean. This physical thing is way closer to a I mean, that's one of those things where the first impression is, but, you know, it's hard to say by day three, would I be like, no, I'm fine. Or would I be like, oh my God, get this thing, get this magic mouse away from me. (laughs) But I, 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 I think it would be if, I don't know what a, like a programmer who wants to, you know, code a hundred characters per second or whatever (laughs) (laughs) would like it. But, you know, I don't know. Keyboards are pretty subjective i feel i think they are it's on it's definitely not the best keyboard i've ever used yeah that's (laughs) it's safe to say thank you for that underwhelming (laughs) damn it with faint praise um i i didn't find it atrociously like laughably like oh my god yeah so you didn't immediately say like the the that you make that noise for the price not for right and it's 170 yeah so the 800 dollar ipad if you get the the base thirty two gig, yeah, yeah, is now already what close to a thousand. Yeah. Like, so anyone who wants to replace their laptop, this is a stupid way to do it. <laughs> maybe you know the asterisk is maybe in five years. In which case, wait five years and see what's out. Um, maybe the the software will catch up. The developers will have made apps that you need from the desktop world. Um, I I. I think as a thing, it could be that, but it's not right now. And I think it's mostly a software problem. Yeah. And I, I strongly suspect most of the people who listen to flipping tables are more on the like, yeah, I need to do computationally difficult things, whether it's for work or gaming or maybe gaming's your work. But, you know, just things that require a more sophisticated, powerful, traditional device. Um, but there are a lot of people that the... This could replace your laptop, not because it can replace a laptop. It can replace your laptop. Yeah. You know, imaginary person I'm pointing my finger at because you don't really need a laptop. You need a web browser. You need email. You need Facebook. You need Twitter. But that's one of the kind of storylines about the iPad Pro that's interesting to watch, though, is the the hardware power side of it, that uh, it's pretty comparable. Now, this isn't... This, this isn't going to be a Ferrari I'm comparing it to, <laughs> but the the 12 inch MacBook running the Core M Intel 
the iPad Pro is basically in that ballpark. Right. And that's just kind of like, not that that's some impressive thing. I'm going to go make the next Pixar movie on it. <laughs> no, not at all. Not You'd even close. Storyboard the next Pixar um, movie. And it there. has a better GPU than that MacBook. And I mean, Apple's famous for skimping on that when they make their thinnest, lightest ever. <laughs> but I do think it's kind of an interesting crossroads that the Mac is now being crossed by the mobile platform. And also that now ARM is like reaching up into this. Yeah. Like, you can edit 4K footage on this device if you want to. Sure, the software isn't there, and you're not going to want to do this for a professional <laughs> reason, but software can get better. The hardware is getting there, and it's sort of like interesting times. Well, this is, I'm sure lots of tech pundits would like to claim they were the first one to say, uh, can Intel get power efficient faster than <laughs> ARM can get powerful? And it seems like the answer is no. Like <laughs> ARM got powerful faster than Intel was able to mobilize, which for Apple, I feel like is a little bit of a risk because when Apple goes with a like an architecture, they tend to ride that train. Yeah. You know, I mean, Windows might be more willing to say like, oh, hey, we're... We're going to switch architectures if it's feasible, right? So, yeah, Mac OS was pre, pre OS 10 was Power PC, Power PC from early 90s to 2004 or something. OS 10. Um, well, no, the first few years of OS 10 were still Power PC only. You're right. It was uh, 10 Tiger? 4 Tiger was yeah. the, the first hybrid, like universal and, and it, so, it was a mess for a couple of versions yeah there's no there's no pretty way to switch architectures it's just emulation layers and deal with it and we'll get through this together <laughs> um, but maybe apple wouldn't even be mad though they'd just be like well we'll release an arm mac eventually and we'll just say developers figure it out and adobe will be three years late <laughs> <laughs> well and this is why i think this would be a problem for windows and not apple because apple you know, all the stories around people actually spend money on Apple software and they could say like, oh, hey, you know that app you wrote for our Intel platform that you later rewrote for our ARM platform? Now you got to write it for the platform. And people would begrudgingly be like, okay, you Apple, you. But then with Windows, they were like, you know how everything about every decision we've ever made is about the legacy? Not this decision. <laughs> <laughs> this um, time we changed our one, minds. Their one little like their their uh the surface what was the RT? The original surface, yeah, the RT that the was non pro surface. Yeah. And now I think all the surfaces are Intel yeah, inside. Completely. And they've totally just given up on that. Yeah. And but Intel I mean, has gotten a little better. Every person who complained about that surface was like, it doesn't run real Windows apps. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's not it's not supposed to. Your phone also doesn't run. But they real still had the desktop UI yeah. when you were on Oh no, they, Microsoft has blame <laughs> to be shared there, but they tried to give people the thing that it focus groups probably said they wanted, and then those same focus groups were like, This isn't what I wanted. Yeah. Just as a, a tech enthusiast first, um, admittedly kind of an Apple fan, um the thing that would worry me about the iPad completely cannibalizing the Mac is it is way more closed down and Mac OS 10 is nowhere near that level like I, yeah so I, that would worry me long term I, I I don't know what the defin the actual definition of general purpose computer is but in my mind one of the main differentiators between like a laptop and a really really nice tablet on any operating system is I can run whatever the hell I want by default on With minimal hassle. Yeah. Like on any desktop operating system, like on windows, I can just download exes all willy nilly from <laughs> emails from princes in Nigeria and run those. And, and on Mac I can, they, they act like they stand in your way. Like, Oh, you should use the app store, but they really don't. Yeah. You can still go get Apple software from anywhere and it runs just fine. Linux of course is just like the wild, wild west when it comes to installing binaries. But yeah, with Android, as open as they are, you still, by default, have it App Store only for security reasons, for legitimate security reasons. But as security goes up, usability tends to go down. And if I want to sideload something, there's a checkbox I have to undo. And on iOS, that's not even an option. And is that something Apple will ever budge on? 
I ever. Do they have any incentive to budge? That's what I mean. But if they, well, <laughs> they do. So do they care about that. Incentive? That's one of the big like rumors is, are they going to launch like next WWC? They're going to be like X code for iPad, make your mobile apps on a mobile device. And so like crap where you eat. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then we'll Apple be like, so developers, of course, this is the only thing you ever need. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Oh man, I, it's. I'm sure there. Are, I want the iPad to become more amazing. I don't <laughs> want it to destroy open computing. Yeah, I am. If there's someone out there who's like a computer science enthusiast and they actually know the exact de- definition of general purpose computing, I would love to hear if my part of it is included. Because <laughs> to me, that's really relevant. Like I can run code that no one else approved me to run. It just has to be compatible. And to me, compatibility and approval are nowhere near the same thing. Like not even in the same sport yeah. as Samuel L. Jackson would say. <laughs> so uh, here, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do an old fashioned like teaser. And then I think you want to wrap it up. Sure. So I got a Nexus 6P. And because we're we're running up on over the hour mark here, oh, um, we're going to talk about the Nexus next time. Uh, right, yeah. so I I just got it yesterday, and I have lots of words to say on that subject. So if you want to hear about that, this would be a good chance to subscribe. I like it. So this was episode ninety three of Flipping Tables. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, me and Lions are both on Twitter, so you can follow us and uh, send us questions and all that stuff. So uh, I'm at Medwards Music, and you are- I'm at Lions in Beta. Yep. And uh, as, as Lion said, you should subscribe in your favorite podcatcher. I use uh, Overcast.fm and you're still using podcasts. Pocketcast. Podcast Alley. <laughs> Podcast Alley. Podbean. Oh, Podbean is a real one. I just put two random nouns together and I got an actual They're product. a host too, aren't they? I don't know. We don't sure. need to hash this out in our ending. Anyway, use the buttons on our website or search for us in your app, and I'm sure it'll work out and everyone will be happy. That way you get episodes automatically every time we release. You can also support us directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And uh, some special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, and Christoph Cunningham. We love you guys. Thank you so much. See you next week. 